Hello, and welcome to Dispatches from the Communal Bathroom. Hello, uh, hello bathers, <laughs> welcome I've, back to the bathroom. I've just surprised Sam there by starting with my dispatch first, straight from the get-go, get-go there. That was great. <laughs> and um, that's a little bit of an indicator of our, our special episode today. Is that not just our new theme tune? Oh, that is also it as well, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> so that's the new theme tune that I wrote. It's quite short. I like it. It had some hand claps. It did. I feel it like had it, some very subtle it's going to turn into like a, you know, like in Friends. Oh, yeah. Where everybody claps along at the start. <laughs> so, bathers, next time you're listening to this, uh, remember to clap along. Just for those two little claps, those just, two at claps. The, yeah. just at the very end there. So, when I said to someone we were doing a special episode, they said, isn't it a bit early to be doing a special <laughs> episode? And they're absolutely right. You'd imagine a podcast getting settled and finding its groove before doing a special episode um, on episode two but that's where we are today and I'm also very aware that the subject matter we're dealing with today is uh, huge uh, it's a massive cultural artifact that has been raked over yeah millions and millions of times by many people who are much more well informed I'm not sure we're going to bring anything <laughs> particularly new oh, there'll be nothing new to this, <laughs> to this the, discussion no not at all and the music at the beginning there I hope would have been a bit of a clue. Our uh, special today is about the Beatles. The Beatles. I'm a Beatles nut, as everybody knows, or everyone who, who knows I me mean, knows. I the, mean, the bathroom here is uh, littered with Beatles paraphernalia and yeah. imagery. I'm I'm actually looking at the Beatles right now, right, like Beatle, right over your left shoulder It's a Beatles temple. <laughs> they're looking back at me, looking yeah. about 19 or something. Well, they're very young there. Um, uh, I've got a cushion. There's stacks... Like, probably about a metre's worth of books. Yeah. Tall. So, <laughs> Sam said to me that that was our special Well, so what theme. happened was I, for one week, I got obsessed with the Beatles and decided to listen to their entire, I'll be specific here for the nerds, uh, their entire UK album discography. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say their entire back catalogue, but I didn't do any bootlegs or <laughs> oh no it gets it gets stuff. worrying when you get into the bootlegs then you know you've really got a problem but um despite uh me knowing a fair bit about the beatles and being extremely familiar with some of their albums uh i had never listened to the white album all the way through i had Crazy. never listened to the abbey road all the way through like obviously you hear some of the songs but uh this was like my first time going through those and then i got completely obsessed by it and was talking to anyone that would listen about it too. And now here we are and, to record. Well, yeah, because of some course of you're thoughts. the person who who I know that knows the most about the Beatles. Yes. Now you say that, and you picked this because yeah, you knew that I would have a lot to say. Yeah. And I thought I would, and you thought I wouldn't struggle to create any dispatches, but I really <laughs> did. Like, obviously, when I know someone thinks I'm gonna find this easy, I choke. Yeah. And so, um. I have made things, but you know, this is such a vast. You, it's such a vast subject matter yeah, for I mean, me. This is like asking me to say, "What's your favourite part of a religion?" Yeah, and you go, "Well, it's my religion. <laughs> I like the singing. I like if I go to church, I like the singing bits. The Beatles, I like the songs. But obviously, discussing the Beatles and singing their songs is there's there's copyright infringement issues there. Yeah." So yeah, you've got to kind of come at a different angle for this uh, this little audio. Yeah, project. do you think 
I know a bit about the Beatles, but I don't have the depth of knowledge that you have. So for me, it was See, quite easy to like just... See, you worry me when you say things like that, because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to stand up to your expectations of me. No, but I mean, because you've got, you know how deep the subject goes. So it's almost oh, difficult yeah, to yeah. pick the parts that you like. Oh, I see what you mean. That you yeah. could choose. Whereas I was like, ah, oh, just do the bits that I like. Because I don't, just found know, out yeah, about, I don't yeah. really know that much about. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first dispatch. It was great. I just didn't expect it. I don't know. Was there any particular Beatles influence you were going for? It was. What like, era Beatles was it? It's definitely sort of rubber soul okay. going, going into revolver era. In my mind, yeah, sort of uh, drive my car. Oh yeah, uh, sort of Anya Birkin sing. She said, she said, yeah, little little tinges of that, and then a kind of Beatlemania era <laughs> at the end. Um, <laughs> How uh, was it? To, I was thinking about this just before was because obviously the Beatles were a huge band. There must be other bands that like were terrible that just basically tried to copy them. Yeah, so how so. how did it feel to just attempt to not cover a Beatles song, but just make well, up, try and make up a fake Beatles song? Well, there's a lot of history of people doing this kind of thing. Okay. Um, the Ruttles yeah, yeah. is something. You, are you aware of The Ruttles? I've seen it once many years ago. Well, it's, it's very enjoyable anyway, but it's even more enjoyable when you know a lot about The Beatles and you know what, can, what song they're doing yeah. a rip of and uh, all the different characters and stuff. I don't know, it was kind of easy. Because it's, it's that kind of thing with songwriting in general. I mean, I think that's the main thing that I'm interested in the Beatles is the songwriting is insane. And I don't know how... They're so simple, they're so complicated at the same time. And I have a amateur pursuit of uh, yeah. songwriting myself. The thing is, when, you, when, you're given, when you're giving yourself a brief of saying, do a song like this... Yeah. Do a song like Bob Dylan. Do a song like the Beatles. It's like, it's not that hard to do. Yeah. Because you can do the cliches. Or yeah, you can yeah, do, yeah. You can do the bits that you like and go, oh, I'll just nab a bit of that and put that there and mash it together. And it sounds a bit like three or four different things. Yeah. But that's the amazing thing about, like, the Beatles' actual work is it doesn't sound, it sounds like them doing them. Yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the innate problem with songwriting is trying to find that find your own voice that little bit of gold oh, yeah from within yourself so it was uh, it was fun to do <laughs> i mean i think that dispatch is probably going to come back we might put that in as a little sting halfway through and yeah because it's quite short this okay. is i i i realized it was a really short dispatch and i thought but i'm going to justify it by saying it can be used loads of times <laughs> <laughs> come to the As Chris mentioned, uh, we might run into copyright issues uh, using yes, actual yeah. Beatles music, but I have decided to throw caution to the wind <laughs> <laughs> and use actual Beatles music. That's in my interesting. Dispatch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... So this is so in this dispatch. Uh, there's I've actually made two versions. There's a short version and a long version. Now, the short version hopefully will fit into the grey area of copyright law because it's quite short. Uh, right. But the long version probably won't. So <laughs> Chris and I are going to listen to the short version and broadcast the short version. Then Chris and I are going to listen to the long version, which will be on the website so you can listen to it afterwards. Oh, right. Um, 
just to get around the... Just to sort of sneak around the copyright issues. Right, okay. And also if uh, Paul McCartney or uh, Ringo Starr just are here's, listening... Here's just a bit of it. You know, we just want to just be cool, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're we're so, doing this with love. Not We're not trying to make any money. Yeah. We're not going to make any <laughs> <No>. money. <laughs> okay, so um, I guess I'll tell you what it is because there's going to be... A, there's a quiz here. Oh, with the brilliant. short version. Okay, so have you got you got a pen and paper there? I will have a pen and paper, yes. Okay, so basically what I did was I'm still planning for my future rap career. So I've decided to take make some Beatles samples and make some loops. Ah. Uh, so this short version is just the loops once, one time only. Each sample is once, and there's seven of them. And I expect you to get 100% with what every song is. Oh. So there's seven of them. This is a good challenge. I like this. And they're happening one time. So, ooh, this is this could be difficult. I expect a hundred percent. I'm gonna have to be on my game right now. Stops my mind from wondering where it will go. What? <laughs> yes, I love the co- how confused you look. What? This is great. Now, it escalated there. <laughs> I, at first, I was like, why is he playing this one for so long? Yeah. It, so it got quicker and quicker. Uh, No. Well. Well, you did You did uh, Sergeant Pepper's reprise. It'll make more beginning. sense when I play the long version. Oh, I okay. see. Yeah. Do you want me to say what I got then? Uh, yeah, so there's uh, seven. How many did you get? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Ooh. I didn't get the last one. Okay. The last um, one was a bit of a curveball. Okay, so go. I got uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Reprise. Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah. Uh, I Want You, brackets, She's So Heavy. Yep. Close brackets. Uh, hey, Bulldog. Yep. I'm the Walrus. Yep. Penny Lane. Yep. And then what the hell was that thing on the end there? <laughs> so that was fixing a hole. But what did you do to it? It was uh, from the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band movie. Uh, so it was fixing a hole by George Burns from the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band movie. What's the movie? You don't know about... There's a, there's a movie. It's got like the Bee Gees in it and stuff. Oh, I have. I've seen that vaguely. Okay, but that version is so weird and amazing, and I love it. And I love that. So, like, we listened to Sgt. Pepper's last night, and it was... Yeah. I've only listened to this version of Fixing a Hole for the past couple of weeks because I've been making this. And so to hear the original again was really weird. But that song is great, and he does. he's like this really old guy sort of doddering along, and then there's some children appear and all this. I just love it. It's so good. Okay, so that was really stressful, though. <laughs> um, on my notes here, I've written reprise, TNK, heavy, bulldog, walrus, Penny Lane, because I just couldn't keep up with. <laughs> okay, um, so we uh, should listen to the long version now, and then we can talk about them in a bit more detail and what I actually did. So basically, okay. what this is is all those samples. 
but they're each looped four times. Everything you just heard, but everything's looped. And four I don't times. have to do anything this time. I just get to no, listen no, no, to no, it. No, 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 Just that's nice. Just sort a of stress, listen and enjoy stress it. Stress free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let me explain for the listeners what Sam made me listen to there, because we're not going to put it into the actual podcast. You uh, can download it. You'll be able website. to download it on the website. Yeah. So Sam did me a short version uh, with lots of little samples of different Beatles songs, and then there was a long version where those samples repeated quite a lot each. Four times each. Four times Four each. Four times each. And it was like a hypnotic, I've put here, hypnotic acid nightmare. <laughs> It, it sounds like it would have been fairly insane to listen to whilst you were making it. Yeah, so <laughs> I, it was really fun to make, a really, really, really fun thing to make. But making the I Am The Walrus one was just, I was listening, I was sat in my office and I was just listening to it, trying to get the sample perfect, like yeah. cut it all out. And it was just like, oh, <laughs> just over and over and over and over. I was like, oh, I'm going mental. Well, some of it sounded really good. I like the, the She's So Heavy one. Yeah, great. I love it. What I noticed, like, going through them, and I've listened to that loads of times, <laughs> obviously. The thing with the loops is I found four is a good number to do, because it's yeah. not so many you're like, oh, for God's sake. But then after the, in the fourth one, it's sort of when you start hearing the weird little details. So, like, uh, in the Hey Bulldog one, the riff that I cut out has just, like, a little bit of one of them going, yeah, like, <laughs> just a little bit. But you hear it four times, you're like, oh. That's one of my favourite things about Beatles records, though, is the the sort of the offhand, uh, off-mic kind of uh, chatter that yeah. you can get. Yeah. There's a, if you, if you want to get really into uh, the Beatles, there's a, a huge number of websites out there. But I remember getting into doing oopsing. Where you, uh, oopsing, you know, where you send the uh, the left and right channels against each other, or you switch them round or something, right? So you can hear stuff in the middle of the stereo picture that you wouldn't be able to hear otherwise. Oh, that would be very in the fringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's so much chatter, like people just talking <laughs> in the middle of records, and uh, you can find loads. And I, I got really heavily into that for a long, long time. Yeah. And you can, there's stuff for the Beach Boys as well. The reason also I chose these samples is this is basically a list of my favourite Beatles songs, more or less. It's a good list. Um, So my all-time favourite, like, I I listen to... You have an all-time favourite. I listened to all of the Beatles a few weeks ago. Yeah. And Sgt. Pepper's Reprise is still my favourite Beatles song. I was like, oh no, Tomorrow Never Knows is easily, like, a... So well, there's we so lis- many great songs. We listened to the reprise yesterday, and it's amazing. There's so much going on in that. It's so right. So this is the thing. Like this also leads into why I got into the Beatles. So my dad had Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on vinyl, mm. like every person who was yeah sure <laughs> around in 1967 or whatever. What well, or since? Yeah, <laughs> everyone who's been around since. Uh, so I used to listen to that when I was uh, probably 14 or something, and. I remember just listening to Sgt. Pepper's Reprise over and over, like that drum beat at the start. And this was, I didn't know anything about like hip hop, old school hip hop or anything. Mm. But I would just get to the end of the drum beat, take the needle off, put it back to the start and just play it again. And if I had two turntables, I would have just had it going over and over again. And it just, I absolutely love that beat. That beat is so good. 
And, yeah. it, and I was I I googled it the other day. Like, has anybody sampled this? Because that beat, Surely. that break is amazing. Surely, there is one Beastie Boys song, and it's 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 an okay Beastie Boys song. And that's but it. is that is that because people don't want to do the copyright infringement so, thing, or is that possibly that? But also the other thing when I actually listen to that Beastie Boys song is it's, there's a lot going on. In say if you use a sample of like a a soul record or something. Often it is just the drums. Like yeah. the band drops out, the drummer plays a bit, and then everybody comes back in, and you just take the drum beat out. Whereas that, there's a crowd in the background. There's like a lot yeah. of other weird noises going out. There's lots of stuff you don't appreciate. It. Well, I mean, we listened yeah. to it last night, and I heard so much stuff. In yeah, it. and then so yeah, if you just cut out that, you don't get a clean like beat to rap over, I guess. But also, well, that's when yeah. they kind of got really complicated with their recording. I mean, yeah. maybe if they did a beat like that a couple of years earlier, you could have done a yeah. a really good sample of it. But there's so many layers in there. Yeah, but it's the same with Tomorrow Never Knows. That the the drum beat on that is so good. Oh my god! I just I was sampling. <laughs> I was I was cutting it out trying to get it perfect. Like it took me absolutely ages because there's so much other weird noises going on, mm. and like the beat's quite complicated. So I don't know if you noticed that it kind of goes. It kind of goes do do do, and it's yeah, got that like yeah. little. But that is in a very a, well known drum beat. It's in like a weird part of the the bar, so to sample it was really difficult to oh, like see, line yeah. it up. And the same with Penny Lane as well. Like that sample still feels like it's not quite in time, but it is. I tried really hard. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but it's yeah. now what what was your end game? Like what you just wanted to listen to them to see how they sounded. So I want to. I wanted to talk about some Beatles music that I like <laughs> and well, actually yeah. play and that some was of the a good music. prompt yeah um but I also just wanted to see if see if I can make samples and see if I can make loops out of these songs because they're there's little bits that I just think in in Beatles songs particularly mm. say say like I am the walrus that part doesn't come back like that's just like one part of the song yeah and it's just so weird and amazing okay right again <laughs> <laughs> so one of the first times that I probably heard the Beatles mm. uh, was I Am The Walrus. I didn't know it was a Beatles song. And this was on, I would, must have been maybe nine years old or something. And it was on one of my brother's skateboarding videos. I think it was a blueprint video from probably like 1997 or something. So a British skateboard video. I guess the guy was probably in Liverpool, but he was, he was in some northern town skateboarding. Right. And they used uh, I Am The Walrus. And I was like, what is this song? This song is so weird and amazing. And it was years. I don't, I don't know. The Beatles weren't like ubiquitous in my family. Yeah. So it was years before I found out that that was a Beatles song. And I don't know, just those kind of... Who makes songs like that? Yeah. And how do they get into like popular culture? Because that is a weird song. It's a really weird song. What's interesting about that one is it's a he made it purposefully weird. Yeah. I think the story goes that he heard that his old school was studying lyrics of his songs yeah and he said ah oh, i'll give him something to, to study <laughs> and wrote some kind of nonsense but then you can equally read a little lots of little things in there and yeah and uh, sonically it's just insane and yeah it's got, was... it's got about 14 chords in the in the introduction alone <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i guess i never i've never even considered learning any of these songs yeah uh, it's not actually crossed my mind have you actually tried to learn any of these? Or not all these ones particularly, but like... But yeah, oh, yeah, Beatles, Beatles songs, songs. I would, I could play... I used to be able to play 
hundred well not hundreds of them because there aren't that many <laughs> but yeah loads and loads of them and i always wanted to learn them and particularly did a lot of bullying of my brothers to learn <laughs> harmonies because harmony singing is one of my favorite things in the world ever yeah how did they do from from a love of the beatles um they've got a lot better a lot better <laughs> years and years of bullying yeah michael michael's a lot better patrick could always pick it up pretty quickly michael michael was always the one who struggled but he's getting much better aren't you michael so uh <laughs> nice to hear from him <laughs> you know email in if uh if you have a problem with me mentioning your name michael then. <laughs> or uh, questioning your uh harmony singing ability Hello, welcome back to Dispatches from the Communal Bathroom, a special episode about the Beatles. I'm finding it really difficult at the moment because we're, we seem to be skirting around loads and loads of issues, and it's really hard to dig your teeth into, into yeah. something, so and I don't, think, I don't think my next dispatch is going to help, <laughs> um, but we will play it anyway, and it is about conspiracy theories. Ooh. So, I will let this man do the talking okay we all know the theories about the mysterious death of paul mccartney in 1966 and his subsequent replacement by an actor it came to be known as the paul is dead myth what is less well known is a theory about another member of the beatles this theory is known as george is bread Devotees of the George's bread theory, or breaders as they're known, say that George Harrison was at some point between 1964 and 1965 replaced by a life-sized loaf of bread. No reason is given as to why this happened. Some say it was the result of an early acid trip gone wrong. Others say they were on tour and George was left behind, and Ringo picked up a baguette and said it was George, and everyone was too stoned to suggest otherwise. Others still say it was a business move by Brian Epstein that went horribly wrong. Despite the initial incident being shrouded in confusion and drugs, the Beatles did what they thought was best with their terrible bread George secret, and instead of keeping a sworn vow of silence, which would have made way more sense, they wove subtle references and clues into many of their songs. Let's look at the evidence. Norwegian Wood. On the surface, this song may sound like John Lennon documenting an extramarital affair, but breaders say it includes a subtle reference to bread making, and believe the last part of the song references George's transformation from human to bread. John says he went to sleep in the bath, but was this in fact a reference to a doe George resting in a loaf tin? And John's later confession that I lit a fire. Is this him turning on a metaphorical oven? Is this an admission of guilt that he feels partly responsible for his friend's mysterious change? Taxman, from the 1966 album Revolver, is a song about money, which in British slang is known as dough. And dough makes bread. Coincidence? 
Within You, Without You, from the 1967 album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, supposedly written by George, also has its clues. Within You, Without You appears as the first track on Side 2, and as there are seven tracks on Side 1, this makes it the eighth track on the album. An eight in French is huit, which sounds an awful lot like a key ingredient for bread. Coincidence? By the time of the Magical Mystery Tour, there had been several bread Georges. Some were drier than others, some looked better with a guitar, and some showed a lack of proper proving time and didn't rise properly. The Beatles nearly went public with the scandal around this time. An early take of I Am The Walrus featuring in the chorus, not I Am The Eggman, but I Am The Breadman. I am the Breadman. I am the Breadman. I am the Bread George. But this idea was vetoed by an overly sensible Paul McCartney. Developments were later made on the Bread George when Apple tech guru Magic Alex created a fully anatomical Bread George in 1968. This Bread George later went on to write the number one hit, Something, and is considered by Breaders to be the best of the Bread Georges. So what happened to him? Um, so I found that on um, some uh, a radio, a radio. Or, or a fuzzy bit of the internet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, an American man there. Yeah, uh, putting forward a a crazy theory. A theory uh, that the bread has subscribed to. That's right. Um, that George is bread. What's the background behind? So the Paul Paul is dead. So what I was exploring there was the kind of themes. About how there's a Paul Paul is dead theory. Yeah. About how he was in a motorcycle accident in about 1966 and got replaced by an actor um, called like Williams Campbell or something <laughs> like that. He then carried on and he was Paul McCartney. Yeah. And there was meant to be lots of little clues yeah. in the rest of the Beatles' work from that point onwards. Was there any genesis of this idea? Like, where did it come from in the first place? Is it that just people? I think saw... he did have a motorcycle accident. Oh, okay, but is... I, I think yeah. it, the the original rumor came about in 1966, but then it kind of gained ground like a couple of years later. Oh, okay, I've always liked the idea of reading meaning from nonsense. Yeah, and uh, creating any kind of narrative from whatever you want to handpick, yeah. which is what the people who believed in the Paul is dead theory did. I mean, it's that because they saw. Oh, it's a funeral at Sergeant Pepper's. Yeah, there's the famous one about uh, the Abbey Road cover, where a car says "28 if," uh, and it's supposed to suggest that that's how old Paul would have been if he'd if he'd lived. Yeah, which he was, of course, still alive. 
and the sort of tenuous connection. Yeah. How you got to wheat? <laughs> well, I just so looked, perfect. I just looked at all the um, the George Harrison songs and thought, well, how can I try and uh, link these back to? And that one was was so tenuous it had to stay in. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the Paul is dead one got just a bit out of control. Yeah. And probably still has people. People, there's probably still people out there who believe it and pursue that. Yeah. Which is just worrying. And that was, that was, the George one thing there was a bit insane, but that's only as insane as actual people really do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you just draw draw whatever dots, yeah. connect whatever, do whatever dots. whatever the hell you want with it. And it's, uh, you get there in the end. Hello, welcome back to the bathroom, bathers. Uh, <laughs> I've taken to calling uh, international listening audience bathers. Yeah. If you like that, uh, tweet in at us. Hashtag bathers at communal bath. Hashtag bathers, I yeah. like it. Uh, if you hate that, suggest something else. <laughs> <laughs> washers. Wash- washers. Yeah. We're all washers. Yeah. Uh, dispatch correspondence. Toothbrushes. Yeah. Um... All right, so welcome back, bathers. So I have my second dispatch here, and in order to get around... uh, So this is an interview with Paul McCartney that um, I've got off the internet. But in order to get around copyright issues this time, um, I have reenacted this interview. (laughs) Uh, So without further ado, let's get to it. Have you taken LSD? About four times. And where did you get it from? Oh, you know, I mean, if I was to say where I got it from, it's illegal and everything. It's silly to say that. But don't you think it's a matter which you should have kept private? But the thing is, you know, that I was asked a question by a newspaper, and the decision was whether to tell a lie or to uh, tell the truth, you know. I decided to tell him the truth. But I really didn't want to say anything, you know, because if I had my decision, you know, if I had it my way, I wouldn't have told anyone, because... I'm not trying to spread the word about this, but the man from the newspaper is the man from the mass media, you know. I'll keep it a personal thing if he does, you know, if he keeps it quiet. But he wanted to spread it, so it's his responsibility, you know, for spreading it, not mine. But you're a public figure, and you said it in the first place. You must have known it would have made, would have made the newspapers. Yeah, but to say it, you know, is only to tell the truth. I'm telling the truth, you know. I don't know what everybody's so angry about. Well, do you think you now encourage your fans to take drugs? I don't think it'll make any difference, you know. I don't think my fans are going to take drugs just because I did, you know. But the thing is, that's not the point anyway, you know. I was asked whether I had or I hadn't. And then from then on, this whole bit about how far it's going to go and how many people it's going to encourage is up to the newspapers and up to you, you know, on television. I mean, you're spreading this right now. At this moment, this is going to all the homes, you know, in in Britain. And I'd rather it didn't, you know. I mean, you're asking me the question and you'd rather me to be honest. I'll be honest. But as a public figure, surely you've got a responsibility to... No, it's you that's got the responsibility. You've got the responsibility not to spread this now, you know. I'm quite prepared to keep this as a very personal thing, if you will too. If you'll shut up about it... 
I will. So that was an interview with Paul McCartney. An interview, uh, Paul McCartney in 1967 by uh, from ITN News. First, first note: really nice copyright infringement avoidance. <laughs> uh, that's the only way we could have done that. Yeah. Um, also, a new conspiracy theory: Paul is a brummy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I listened to this interview over and over again in order to get my Paul McCartney better, but I am not good at. Impressions. I will say. Uh, you had some of the rhythms really, really correct. Okay. You know his rhythms of speech that yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know, you know, yeah, yeah. at the end of yeah. sentences all the time. I think I managed to you get got that. that spot on. But I can't do a Scouse accent. I've never learned to do a Scouse accent. But my brummy is really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just I just brummy. couldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't figure out a way of detaching those two things in my mind. So yeah, <laughs> I thought you could have done the uh, the BBC announcer a bit plummier as well. Yeah, but that's not what he said. I don't know. I, well, I was no, trying I to do an impression of the to, guy from the video. Yeah. Honest. I also, yeah. if you notice, there was some ambient noise there, which because uh, the interview takes in place garden, yeah. takes place with Paul McCartney in his garden. Yeah. Uh, so the story behind it is basically that Paul McCartney had said they told a newspaper reporter that he'd taken LSD. Yeah. Um, well, he was asked by a newspaper reporter as he said, taken yeah. LSD, uh, and he admitted to it. And then ITN came knocking on his door. This is in 1967. And I've noted here that Paul McCartney is 25 in this interview. He's a 25-year-old yeah. man. So he's young. He's young. He's like a year younger than we are now. Yep. And all of a sudden, there's some guy from ITN News knocking on his door, accusing him of you know being a bad influence on children. Yeah. And uh, so he's, he turns up at the door. And Paul McCartney says, when people say, oh, why did you do this interview? He's like, well, this guy came around, so... I'll let him in and just, you know, we'll just talk about it. So the the interview takes place in his garden. And uh, that's actually some nice recording from uh, my parents' garden. Oh, right. There's some ambient noise for it, which is quite enjoyable to do. Well, it's that interesting you say that thing about he was a 25-year-old man. I mean, I can't even begin to comprehend the idea of being... I mean, even in the lead-up to that incident yeah. of having a reporter come to your door as... One of the main people in the biggest group in the world, yeah, and then have to discuss. But he he's the kind of person, such a strong-willed, charismatic, yeah, person, yeah. Probably just water off a duck's back conducting that interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was a little bit of a media scandal at the time. I don't, I don't think it'd be all in a day's work. But what I think is really interesting about that interview is that there's a lot going on there because Paul McCartney is. He's just a guy, right? He's a guy from Liverpool. He's a performer, but he he's one of the most famous people in the world. He's still trying to think how to deal with that fame. There's a certain amount of naivety there that he would say, "Oh, it's up to, you know, you're spreading this. I can I'm just telling you the truth. You're the one spreading this around. So if anybody's a bad influence, it's you." And is that just him being naive or is he I don't got know does if he it's have naive. a point? I there? think it's um it's just an easy way of shrugging it off. Yeah. Like, it's quite clever because it makes it... It makes it seem clever. Yeah. But actually, it's just turning it round. Yeah. It's just going, no, 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 back in a weird way. Yeah. Because but- I don't know if I necessarily agree with him as well. Right. I mean, the whole idea of role model thing is questionable. We have it today with, like, footballers and their behaviour. Yeah. And the Beatles, every movement they made would have been under... The spotlight. And I think that's his point, you know. No, it's an interesting point about the media. But I, uh, during my week of being obsessed with the Beatles, I also got, like, really into 
just watching interviews with John Lennon. So I watched the documentary of the bedding, the John Lennon Yoko Ono the bedding. Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was sort of fascinating in that these people, like John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Paul McCartney, these sort of gods walking on the earth, they're yeah. so, so famous. And then you watch one of these things, you watch the bedding, and... Uh, I don't know if it's just because we're similar ages to what they are in this sort of late phase of the Beatles. Mm. But you see that they're just guys and they're just trying to deal with the fame and like the pressures that they're under. Yeah. And with the bedding, I can sort of see like how he's just a guy. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And uh, you definitely get that. That's interesting. You bring that tie that one together because the way Paul speaks in that. And the way John speaks through that film, there's lots of bits where he's like on the phone and he's telling yeah. there's someone at a protest and the police are getting violent. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. says, don't do anything. Just go, just leave. Like, there's no yeah. point losing your life over a park. Yeah. And uh, you get the impression that he's just making it up as he goes along. Yeah. And to ev- each and every person, he's just got a new, a new <laughs> set of rules or a new thing he's got to say to them. So if you watch that, that video is on YouTube, on like Yoko Ono's YouTube channel or whatever. And, uh, underneath it there's like a letter from yoko ono and it's like oh john and i had some really good ideas but we we were so naive back then and yeah. there's this certain amount of naivety that they have that they oh we can change the world and there's this all this youth movement that's coming through and they're, they're living in this kind of revolutionary times you know they're all talking about spreading the message of peace but it's so so it's just sort of like nebulous idea there's not really any coherence so the message is trying to spread it's just like peace well, maybe that was a a product of the times, like the drugs that people had been taking yeah. at the time, and like you say, in the nebulous nature of the world, yeah. the violence, that all they could come up with was just an abstract, <laughs> yeah. love, peace, yeah. just do that, yeah. when actually people needed, you know, something concrete. And that I think that was the criticism that was put to him yeah, quite a lot, of course. was that... He didn't really have any answer. And he, I think he probably just said that as well a yeah. lot of the time. Well, I yeah, yeah, I don't have the answer. That's their whole bit. It's like, what, do you just want everybody to lie in bed and then there'll be, like, peace on earth? It's like, no, that's just what we're doing. I'm incredibly famous. Like, that's that's why they've done it. It's like, why are you doing this? Well, I'm incredibly famous. Everybody's going to show up and film this. So I can lie in a bed, do a weird thing with my... Well, that's the problem. I think it's partly an art piece as well. Yeah. So then you're like, well, is he serious? He's got no answers. Yeah. Is he being? Is he doing like an ironic take on peace? And he's doing literally nothing. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is the cause. I'm not doing anything about it. I'm I'm lying in bed. Yeah. He's sort of like turning his own cause inside out, which yeah. is interesting. But I can imagine how it, it would just be not helpful and would fall on deaf ears. Yeah. I have to say, as a a Lennon fan, if I was gonna identify my denomination. <laughs> I would say I'm a... A Lennonite. Uh, uh, no, I'm a pre-Yoko uh, Orthodox traditionalist. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Why? I just... I'm... I love, like, Hard Day's Night kind of era. Okay. That kind of cheeky... Yeah. Laughing. Like, me and my brothers, uh, Michael and Patrick, who have been uh, name-checked already, <laughs> and here they are again, which is... I mean, that's very apt, because I feel like me and my brothers relate and talk about the Beatles a lot, and yeah. talk like the Beatles, yeah. and try and do their kind of humour. Like, the Beatles' humour is maybe as important as their songs to me. Yeah. The, like, the back and forth, and we always really like the live 
uh, at the BBC records. Yeah. Those little snippets of audio of them talking to, like, the posh BBC announcers, liking that interview you just done. And them all just, you know, throwing about and doing non sequiturs and nonsense. And we say, we say bits from those in our everyday conversation constantly. Yeah. Like we say, um, from the BBC live album, there's bits like about, (laughs) the announcer says to George about uh, Roll Over Beethoven. He said, George, is it true you've been singing this for 27 years? And uh, George goes, no, it's just a rumour. A rumour. And he says rumour like that. And we always say that. It's just a rumour. And also, I like grapes. Ringo says that on one of the <laughs> records. When they say it, they're, they're doing a little bit about how Ringo's the old one. Uh, and okay. they're going to visit him in the hospital. Yeah. And you just hear Ringo right at the back of the room going, I like grapes. <laughs> Like that. And we say that all the time. So it's interesting that you had uh, a Paul McCartney impression there. Yeah. An attempted. An I attempted. attempted a Paul McCartney impression. Now, uh, for my dispatch, the George's bread yeah dispatch i did consider doing uh, a fake interview with john lennon in which he says george is into yeastern spirituality oh yeah a really terrible pun <laughs> yeah. uh, and making another bread reference uh but i didn't feel confident in my john lennon impression skills oh really yeastern spirit you see i can already hear myself <laughs> doing it as i'm trying to say it but there is a lot of people out there who can do some incredible Beatles impressions. Yeah. Peter Serafinowicz does yeah. so amazingly spot on impressions of, well, so many people, but the, he gets the Beatles so spot on. Like he has the little wobble that Ringo does and, and the, oh, you know, like the, with the for, for Paul. And uh, I would recommend looking those up if you're, yeah. if you're a Beatles fan and if you're not. I uh, so I've never actually attempted impressions before. <laughs> See, I was just like, oh, I'll just play this interview. Like, we can just talk about the interview. And I tried to do. I had I, that was actually my second attempt. I tried to do it, and I was just like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. And I just shut my laptop down. I'm like, oh, we'll just play the interview. It'll be fine. And then like two days later, I was just like, fuck it. Let's just. I'll just do it. See you what happens. You did get the rhythms right, but it's just the, I think that's the, the only thing that I can just do. completely oh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I need to. I might. I might work on that a little bit. Not my Paul McCartney specifically, because I, I think that's a non-starter. But maybe some other impressions in the future. It was very fun to try and do, like, because I had to transcribe the interview as well, and just like at the end of every sort of break. I would type in, you know, like, you know, you know. Yeah, you realise how much uh, dead words are in yeah. there. <laughs> and then in just like the speech. Yeah, practicing the sort of inflections and it's very, it's a fun, it's definitely a fun thing to do. There's a there's a video that I've watched a few times and I showed my brother the other day uh, when we were walking to the pub that makes me laugh a lot. Which is someone who's done an impression of. John ringing up George in 1980 and I think we'll, we'll put a link to it on the show notes but there's someone there's just little lines in it that he nails it where John's being angry at George because he put very few references to John in his autobiography which is a true story as <laughs> yeah. well so this guy's going George George it's John 
I'm, I'm ringing about I, me, mine. <laughs> and then George goes, well, somebody got out of the wrong side of the bed today, didn't he? <laughs> and he, he gets it so bang on. And then he just has George reciting um, uh, lines from Hard Day's Night, which is then kind of funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to ask you about specifically was, I mean, you keep bringing up all these sort of side extracurricular uh, Beatles activities. There's just too much, yeah. What is it like being a Beatles obsessive? Because I, I okay, I like the Beatles, but I'm nowhere. I'm not even. I'm I'm scratching the surface compared to you. So how? It's really enjoyable. Like I often think about if I had the work ethic to find out as much about something else, <laughs> like something academic. Yeah. That I do about wanting to find out more about the Beatles. Yeah. I would be in a much better job. Is it partly because... So I always prefer to watch, say, TV sh- series when they're done and dusted. Like, the whole thing's finished. And yes. You, you yes. know that it's not just going to go on and on and on. So is it because it's this complete 10-year package? It's Yeah. So you have uh, 20 years where they were kids. Yeah. And then there's 10 big years... Yeah. Where they were together, and then another 10 when they were apart. Yeah. Uh, it's not so much about the first 20 years. The 10 years where they're together. So there must be only Elvis who has had that much, at that point, Yeah. media coverage so on what year, everything. what year is this? So from 62 to 70. 70 or 69. And every word they ever said, like, is recorded. There's just such a wealth of stuff to draw upon yeah and there's always a new opinion and there's always academic opinion so So i've got loads of books i've got the like really obsessive um recording chronicles where where is that book um it's on the floor right next to the chair so we've got that book read the title of that book uh the complete beatles chronicle the definitive day-by-day guide to the beatles entire career Day by day. Day by day. Everything that they did uh, from about 1958 onwards. Yeah. I've actually bookmarked here today's day. So it'd be uh, nice if it was. Um, we're on Monday the 6th of April oh, 2015. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bookmarked the right one then. I'm going back 50 years. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. So 50 years ago today. So the entry reads uh, Monday the 5th to Friday the 9th of April. And it says the first two days of this week were spent shooting the interior dining area and kitchen sections of the Rajahama restaurant sequence. So that's from uh, Help. Okay. All on a set built at Twickenham. (laughs) During a break in filming on the 6th, so that is 50 years ago today, the Beatles received a Bell Award from Radio Caroline presented to them by disc jockey Simon D. And filmed by newsreel cameras. So they were just so big uninterested. <laughs> yeah. Uninteresting, yeah. So it was just just another day in the life. Yeah, it's it's interesting that it that book has that recorded. Like yeah, so that's this guy, fully not that interesting. <laughs> this guy is called Mark Lewison. He is probably the Beatles obsessive, I would say. Yeah. He's your your hit personal hero. <laughs> Yeah, he's like the Beatles guru. He's the, he, I guess he's the guy you're like, oh, I mean, I'm not that into the Beatles, <laughs> yeah, there's this yeah, guy. Yeah, well, that's always the thing. There's yeah. always someone who's worse than you. I mean, I don't consider myself that bad. I just always want to consume it. 
it's, I don't know what I'm trying to get to the bottom of. Like yeah. I said, I'm I do songwriting myself. Yeah, and I feel and I'm I feel sometimes maybe I'm looking into like secrets about their life to try and find what made them. Why were they so good? Why were they so good? <laughs> So I was talking to uh, I was talking to anyone that would listen <laughs> recently <laughs> about the Beatles. I was thinking how uh, so towards the end of their career, obviously Lennon and McCartney kind of separate as songwriters. But do you think that they, because they were basically the top of their game, but together, do you think they were competing against one another to try? It's like oh, we can do anything. So I'll try and do something weird and better, and you know you can always compete with yeah, John. Yeah, and- yeah. John can always compete with Paul, and then they just push each other higher. So they sort of leave everyone else behind, and just those two just go off on one. I did read an article a while back that was talking about genius, genius existing within two people uh, sparring off each other. Yeah, and how that the the common uh, revisionist version of looking at the Beatles songwriting partnership yeah. is to say that well, after 1964, they wrote separately. Yeah, and they you know did everything, but it's it's the fact that they had to do things against each other. Yeah, that actually they both had huge influence on each of those songs. It was the elements that the both of their personalities brought together to make those songs. So, um, the ballad of John and Yoko. Yeah. So I read about that, and that's it. Seems very strange because like that nineteen seventy sixty nine maybe. Yeah, sixty nine. Okay, so that was nineteen sixty nine, and that's when like in sort of the popular narrative or whatever i just think of the beatles as just not being friends anymore yeah but that is the ballad of john and yoko it's about john lennon and his new wife mm-hmm. and i and he just had this idea for a song went to paul mccartney they recorded it without ringo and george yeah and when i read that i was like that seems so weird like i'm sure these guys are supposed to be not friends anymore and it's it's almost like it's clearly just the brotherhood because you're so deeply connected to him that even though like maybe you hate each other every now and then, but if your friend comes back to you, he's got a new wife. Maybe you didn't like her that much, but you're happy that he's happy, and he's come with this song about his, him and his new wife, mm. and he's like, I want to record this song, and you know, I want to record it with you, and you're like, yeah, okay, that sounds fun. You're sort of still pals, even though. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's exactly yeah. the thing that you're describing, the brotherhood. Yeah. Like, they must have got along. Yeah. Because I, I remember going to a party and someone... think this happens at parties is sometimes you'll meet someone that is equally into the Beatles as you. <laughs> and then you talk to them for an hour. You just talk to them all <laughs> night. And that can sometimes be not as enjoyable as you might think because then someone will come forward with a different theory about something and this person said... The Beatles, they were not friends. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like, can you and, imagine? And actually, I see what they were saying, because the, it did it did turn into, like, some kind of mutual comp- competitive brotherhood kind of... Well, like, brotherhood you, is the best way to describe yeah, it, because, yeah. wow, I may be even the third mention of my own brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but you have that thing where you get on, but then the next moment... You hate them. Yeah. But then you need them. Yeah. <laughs> and you're stuck together. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I think their post-Beatles careers are evidence of that. Right. Because they're both lacking. Like, they both wrote great songs. Yeah. 
you just you could imagine that maybe some of those songs that they wrote could have just been a little bit better with knowing that John was writing it in competition with Paul. Oh, okay, yeah. As opposed to just writing it and indulging himself. Yeah. So how do you how do you feel about post Beatles Beatles? There's some amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I think Paul McCartney comes out better, but that's just my probably my personal taste. How do you feel about them now? How do I feel about the Beatles now? No, no, about Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. I don't know. They're kind of like museum pieces of a former. Exa- yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's very strange. Well, they're not even that. They're kind of like they're like walking, talking wax models. Or I don't know. <laughs> Paul McCartney and Ringo. Well, like Star. Ringo's not Ringo anymore, really. Yeah. Paul has changed into a caricature version of you know the mugging, the two thumbs up and going ooh, uh, and singing Hey Jude at the Olympics. It's like mum and dad rock. Come to the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Beatles was 50 years ago. Do you think there is a comparable person or uh, artist right now? And a similar question. Do you think you would have recognized the Beatles as like the genius that you now think of them if you were alive 50 years ago? Yeah, I do wonder about that. Like I said earlier, I'm a I'm a sort of um, 64, 65, hard days night kind of era. And I think if I had been contemporaneously consuming their records as they came out, yeah, I'd have gone, oh, they've got a bit weird. <laughs> and I probably would have stopped. Yeah. Like Sgt. Pepper's, maybe I would have gone, oh, it's just too much. And as for comparable bands today... Uh, One Direction springs to mind. Well, I mean, they're a boy <laughs> band. Well, the mania that surrounds them is very, very similar. Yeah. And also, I saw something in the newspaper the other day. Uh, one of the members of One Direction has left the group. Zane, I want to say Zane. <laughs> Zane Malik. Yeah. Uh, he left One Direction. I have no idea what the story is, but I, I read over someone's shoulder on the bus <laughs> that his... Um, Chris, you're allowed to admit it. <laughs> like this no, is no, a safe no. space. They were reading the gossip column on the in the metro. I hate I hate that when someone sits in front of you with a newspaper because I can't help but read it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was reading this. Someone said that Zane's girlfriend was a Yoko. Oh really? Yeah. So there, there was a bit of a comparison there. I thought it was. Um, I thought at first it was quite quaint that there was a a sense of history. Yeah about the comparing whoever this woman is to Yoko. And also then it's another thing of saying there's so many like bits of language and stuff that you can use in every day. Yeah. That come from Beatles mythology. Yeah. Like you say Yoko. Yeah. Wow, she's a Yoko. Yeah. <laughs> People know what that is. The Beatles myth is just so big. Yeah. It like permeates into so much stuff. But do you think there's a Oh no, I was I was kidding that they're not comparable. Well, I mean, they're comparable. I don't know any of their songs. No, so. I know, but like they're comparable in terms of the fandom that goes along with that, and I think that might just be something that's going to happen from now until forever, or until culture changes in a huge way. Like, there's always boy bands, yeah, that come through every like five or ten years, yeah, and then 
teenage girls get completely obsessed by that. Like the Beatles were one of the first, the Rolling Stones as well. But yeah, they're doing you know, the same. Take that thing. and sync and. But the issue is, are One Direction gonna do a Sergeant Pepper's? Joe, you know, have like that? That was the thing that the Beatles did. They had all the screaming girls, and then they went on to critical, yeah. universal acclaim. Yeah. Whereas I don't think I'm fairly sure One Direction don't have uh, universal critical yeah. acclaim as yet. They yeah. might surprise us. So when we were talking to, when I was talking to our mutual friend Paul uh, about this, big shout um, out to uh, <laughs> Paul Sobeck. I asked him like, who do you think is the comparable person uh, to the Beatles right now? And the only thing he could think of was probably Kanye West, and it's sort of a weird thing to think about obviously it's quite a different type of music but he's he makes these mega hits radio popular mm-hmm. like he has the screaming girl fans and then he makes a weird record that's right actually yeah he's got both of those things he's also got that kind of like like uh, messiah ego exactly lennon kind of exactly. self-hate thing as yeah, well yeah so you listen to yeezus like me and paul listened to yeezus the other day and it was just like he's just banging on about how he's like he's like i'm god <laughs> and you're like okay no you're a dick <laughs> yeah but then he's like oh i don't like being god basically <laughs> <laughs> so well there was a lot of stuff about like that kind of thing on dark twisted fantasy yeah. as well wasn't there yeah i can see that that's quite a good comparison thanks paul <laughs> send, in, send in a dispatch of one of your um, your other observations or anything at all. I oh, think this is quite this is going quite neatly actually. So coming back, circling back to just about the podcast. We've been in doing general. a lot of circling around everything, but yeah. go on. I don't think we're not going to get to the bottom of the Beatles right now. Chris. Well, no, that's good. Um, yeah, but this is uh, this podcast is called Dispatches from the Communal Bathroom, and uh, so far, me and Chris are just bringing things to talk about, but. If you are a bather out there and <laughs> you want to send us something, if you just send us an audio f- recording of uh, something that you've made and isn't too copyright infringing, we'll just play it and talk about it. It doesn't matter what it is, we'll just play it and talk about it. We'll try and talk about it. We'll s- try and make we sense We might be stunned into silence, obviously. I mean, we're stunned into silence by our own <laughs> things anyway, so we'll see how it goes. But in the past few weeks... Between, uh, since recording the last episode we have all that we have business. all of the social medias yes i think actually all of them we're not on pinterest well i don't i don't know what that I is i don't know really. what it is either so you can find us on twitter and instagram at communal bath you can email us that's probably the best way to yeah, contact so just, us regarding dispatches if you, if you want to send us something just email attach a file to an email and send it to us uh, so that email address is communal bathroom at gmail.com and you can also find our Facebook page. Over 27 likes on there now. Ooh. So it might go down again after this one. <laughs> uh, we'll see how it goes. And I think on that note, we probably have done enough yeah. rabbiting <laughs> and circling around a subject that we never really got into <laughs> in any kind of depth. But I think that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. And I think we're just going to have to be okay with it. Yeah. But it was uh, very fun to talk to the Beatles. Yeah, it was really nice. And uh, yeah, you so realise there's just so much to say. How do you th- feel about doing theme time podcast hour? Do you mean... Uh, As opposed to just making whatever we want. Was I it- feel like making whatever we want worked better. 
than a themed one. Was it? Do you think it was easier? It was easier. Oh, also, if you if you want to request anything, you can episode. request us to do a theme. We might not do it, or we might do it. <laughs> so you can try us out and see what happens. Yeah, tweet us uh, hashtag bathers bather pride. Um, <laughs> get your bathers on or washers washers ba- bathers versus washers yeah hashtag bathers versus <laughs> hashtag washers what do you want to be called bathers yeah. or washers yeah okay tweet is hashtag bathers or hashtag washers whoever tweets the most uh, wins I guess so we don't know what we're going to have for our next episode I would say probably not a themed one let's go mental alright let's do it Um, and see how that goes I hope this listened well and that you're all clean yeah and that you've done your toilets yeah and all your revolutions and that you'll come back very soon to come and get clean yeah come and join us back again in the bathroom all right see you later bye bye bathers (laughs) 